Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody, this is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to Tent Talk. Today, I ask the question, are you living in your panic room or are you more and more transitioning into the presence room? You don't have to stay living in your panic room where you always have to handle things and where you run when the pressure gets too much, when anxiety is gripping you. You can allow him to begin more and more to take you into your presence room where you will know him at the greatest depths possible. Take a listen. I hope it takes you deeper into your process with him. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad that we're together today. And uh, on this episode of Tent Talk, where we are having conversations under the big tent of God's presence, I want to talk about something that uh, can be very intense uh, for all of us, but it's where we talk about what really goes on inside of us, no matter how Together, we may look externally, uh, no matter how dignified, no matter how educated we are, no matter how much we've learned to act like we don't care. Um, you know, we can, we can walk through life and everyone think, man, they have got it together. And yet we may know that that's only as long as we are in charge, as long as we have got everything properly under our thumb, that we've got everything taken care of, and that maybe we've built some pretty thick walls, and maybe we've, you know, handled things and coped with things for so long that we actually have forgotten that at one point we actually did care. That's why we had to decide that we couldn't care anymore. All right, maybe some of y'all are like me, you know. Uh, I used to care so much. I used to uh, be so afraid that I decided at some point as I got older uh, that, you know, I'm just not going to care. And boom, you could hear the locks. You could hear things shutting down, shutting down. The older that I got, the more I wanted to shut down certain feelings. It's kind of like circuit breakers in a house. Uh, circuit breakers is what keeps a house from burning to the ground because there might be something going on electrically, but boom, that circuit will shut down and it'll stop uh, the damage or it stops the, the fire from consuming everything. And so in some ways, you know, we, we're set up internally in our thinking and all of that, like circuit breakers in our mind. And that's why some people just shut down and they just, they escape reality on many different levels. And of course, you know, if you see someone in a mental institution or someone who has completely separated from reality, that's an extreme case. But don't all of us on some level uh, shut down the parts of reality that are too painful for us, too difficult for us, We may tell ourselves things that are not actually true because we're trying constantly to cope with what life is handing out to us 
where we're constantly trying to handle the weight of our own lives. So I wanted to kind of walk us into this conversation today. Uh, I didn't want to just jump right in, but, but to begin to walk us into um, this question. And I asked this question, you might want to go back on my um, public Facebook page at N.B. McCrady and uh, check out from this past Monday, which was July 8th, and uh, check it out where I asked the question, are you living in your panic room or are you more and more living in the presence room? You know, I've been in deep rewrites on my book and, and in one particular place in the book, I'm describing uh, the, the way that I learned to handle things when I was young. And I, I am going to read just a little bit of an excerpt. Now, this is before they went into rewrites, and so I don't know that it's going to come exactly like this. I'm reading from the original manuscript of my book, and its working title is called From Trauma to Trust. Now, remember, when I talk about core trauma, I'm talking about the fact that we were never meant to carry the weight of our own life. You were never meant to have to earn love, perform for approval. You were never uh, meant to be God. You were never meant to have to handle everything, take care of everything, carry the weight of, of your life and the life of your family in the sense of carrying weight as a child that really belongs to the adults. And so the core trauma of our lives if I could once again suggest this to you, is that the core trauma of our lives is that we are born in a condition and with a nature that is 100% separated from God. That's what real death is to us because God himself is life and because of what Adam and Eve chose in the garden and we were all in them that every person from them, every person when born physically, is born with a nature that is separated from God, separated from life himself, and left to your own devices, left to have to figure it out yourself, left to have to work for love, perform for approval, you know, have to, you know, labor to be accepted and to fit in and to belong and just hope that you are cute enough, talented enough you know, that you have got giftings and that you have got charm and personality and all of that. Can you all feel the weight of all of that? Okay. So when I talk about from trauma to trust, I'm talking about coming out of the core trauma of our independence from God, where we're trying to handle our own lives, our own needs, carry the weight of every pressure and, and every performance and and to try to create a life for ourselves and come into deep abiding trust in Christ because that's the way we were always meant to live. So I have this little excerpt from my book. Now just, just bear with me because I'm not trying to be graphic and I'm not trying to be callous or um, overly, um, you know, provoking. Um, but this is just the reality of what my life was. And um, so uh, this is uh, what I want to read to you. All right. So 
Um, I wrote, um, hearing my dad move through the house early in the morning always filled me with terrifying tension. He was a great whistler and would often whistle as he approached my room. My thoughts would begin to tighten as I braced my body for another encounter with evil. My mind became my panic room. I ran to it each time I heard him coming. Like hunted prey, paralyzed with the anticipation of total powerlessness, I lay still and complied. My mental muscles were being exercised often, and their strength allowed me a place to escape. You see, I learned to hate being needy, vulnerable, and open. I hated being so gullible, so naive, so stupid as to approach him repeatedly. And so you see here in the book, I'm describing what it was like to know that something is getting ready to happen, to feel the anticipation of that. But the core of what I want you to recognize is how did I choose to cope with all of that? And I began that as a young child. And let me assure you that it has stayed with me for many, many years because when we're young and powerless, we don't understand that what we're choosing in those moments uh, where people might oftentimes now um, excuse me and say, you know, Nancy, you were a child, you didn't know better. Um, but if you could just, if you could just open up to think and to see that that's not really the issue, is it? You know, that's not really the issue that I was a victim then, that I was young then, that I was powerless then. It's that what I was choosing was out of that independence from God. That's not a blame. I'm not blaming myself. What I'm saying is that that's what I took hold of. And then that stayed with me throughout all of my years as I, as I grow up. So things that will excuse in children, most of us don't want to tolerate in other people when they're adults. But let me ask, where did all that begin? It began when we were young, when we were powerless, when we were just trying to do the best that we could. And when I myself would choose to run into my mind and it became my panic room, this is where I began to build a very strong mental muscle. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about my IQ here. I'm not talking about being brilliant. I'm talking about building up a mental muscle that became a wall for me, a barrier from things that I could block out things that, that it became my panic room. Now, if you've ever seen one of the movies, I think there was one with Jodie Foster years ago and and it may have even been entitled a full-length feature film called Panic Room because the, a panic room is oftentimes a place, and we usually see it in, in fairly uh, exclusive homes or, uh, you know, expensive homes because they have the money to be able to build these panic rooms so that if a thief comes into their house, if they're under attack, if they feel threatened, if there's trouble, if there's difficulty, if they're in danger, they run to that panic room and it's usually operated and has a door that opens and shuts very tightly. It's like a vault and they run in there and there are provisions in there. And it may be a place that a parent tells a child, 
If someone attacks me and you hear it, you run for the panic room and you get in there and it'll, it'll, it'll help you. It will protect you. All right. Now you're not meant to live in a panic room. It is supposed to be temporary. Okay. But for my purposes, what I'm trying to describe is that for many of us, we all have different types of panic rooms. You may have run into your performance. You have run into being a people pleaser. You have run into, um, you know, you, maybe it is your brilliance and your IQ and your education that you're going to study enough that you'll never get outwitted again. We all have a myriad of things that we can choose from. That's our panic room. How did we cope with everything? So I've shared with you that mine was my mind. And any time that there was going to be fear or the loss of control or I needed to escape mentally just to be able to endure, then I ran into certain thoughts. I would cope through different and varied ways. And this is oftentimes where um, these coping patterns become something that we rely very heavily on, even if we don't realize it. And we don't realize that, that uh, some of the panic that can come to us as adults is if we think that we're going to have to be left in the care or the decisions of people that we're married to, left in, under the control of, you know, um, who we're with, maybe a colleague at work, maybe our boss, maybe our friends, you know, we are left to the care of other people. This is how we think. And because early in life, we're, we're like, no, I eventually had to nominate me, you know, because if anything around here is really going to get done, I'm going to have to take care of it. So the only time that we have a strong sense of security is when we're in control. Others being in control, oh, no way. They don't understand. They don't know how to take care of things, right? Is anybody out there with me? Oh, how I wish I could see your face, <laughs> right? Is that, no, 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 no. I mean, we get nervous, you know, like we might start getting the hives, you know, we get, we get jittery if we've got to, you know, a, a spouse is going to make the decision, you know, other colleagues are going to make the decision. No, we like to be in that control chair. We want to be the ones who will be in control because it's the only time that we feel any sense of security and stability is that I know if I take care of it, I know it's going to get done right. All right. So hopefully I've got some people out there who understand what I'm talking about. All right. Some of you out there may be like, no, I don't really understand, but I think I'm married to somebody like that. I think I'm in relationship with somebody like that. I think I work for somebody like that. And, uh, and because here on Tent Talk, you see, our um, focus here is in that deep, maturing oneness with him under the tent of his presence. Remember that uh, I talked about the decision really is, is will I continue? Will you continue to live in your panic room into whatever it is that you run into, okay, um, to help you when there's insecurity or fear or loss uh, or failure, but you see, God wants to begin more and more and more to transition us into the presence room where we know him, where we are 
um, abiding, okay, where we are learning an entirely new way of living, is that I there is someone stronger than me. I know it's a shock, but there is. There is someone stronger than me. There is someone more stable than me. There is someone most definitely smarter and more brilliant than me. And so even though I think all of us would agree that we all long for that one who will be the strong tower to us, we all long for that one who will be the one that we can lean into. Um, And yet we find that inwardly, oftentimes the dynamic, the visceral dynamic, the instinctive dynamic that comes is that even though I may long for someone who will be the strong one and who will take care of me now, we fight it when the opportunity comes. It's very difficult to embrace that which you long for when that requires yielding, yielding control, yielding control to God. That may sound like a fabulous thing, and uh, you're all for it, right? In the worship service and when the music is awesome and everything is going on. And yet when it comes right down to it in the every every day of, of decisions and responsibilities and having to wait on others and all of that, that we find that no, 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 I'm not going to be waiting on anybody else. I've got to take care of all of this myself. And uh, so that when it comes to the real transition, the real shift from our panic room to the presence room, we're not really quite sure, you know, how to make that transition. And I want to encourage you today that you don't have to make that happen. You can allow God to make that happen for Holy Spirit to make that happen. Because, you know, our panic room, I'd like to suggest to you that our panic rooms are really a perversion of the presence room because we always ran into ourselves. We may have run to people for a time, but if they disappointed us again and again, we slam the door shut and we say, never again will I depend on another. Never again will I do that. And listen, my core uh, point in sharing this isn't to get you to, you know, like believe in the whole human race again and, and to find you new people to depend on. My heart at this moment is for you to see that you don't have to be left in the care of yourself or others, only getting what others are willing to give you. And even though that may be their very best, I just want to tell you, it'll never be enough because you were made for God himself. You were made to live in deep oneness with him. And until we make that our goal Um, We're going to be settling for lesser things. We're going to be still um, throttling at a pretty high level of anxiety, I I would suggest to you. Even though, again, as I said at the very opening today, you may look like you've got it all together, but nobody knows that you've got to take Ambien every night to get to sleep. Nobody knows that you're taking, you know, anxiety meds. And I'm not here to condemn I'm just telling you that um, God wants to, inch by inch, um, you know, day by day, to bring you more and more and more. 
to uh, a greater dependency upon him. Now listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anybody to get on medication. I'm not telling anybody to get off medication, please, please. But what I'm saying to you is that don't ever think that you have to be denied the very presence of God deeply, inwardly, um, you know, at this point, that there can be a very, very strong increase. But there are many people that are anxiety-ridden, but they've learned to cover it, but it really eats away at them. And they may, you know, function very well all through the day, but about 2 to 3 a.m. every morning, they wake up in a panic. They wake up thinking, how am I going to get through another day? How am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to handle it? It's all so very overwhelming. And it is, my friends. Life is overwhelming. And uh, you're never going to, you know, conquer the elephant and one day be able to ride the elephant that we know is life. What we do learn to live in is we learn to eventually learn to live and to get quite comfortable living in a state of being perpetually overwhelmed. Because, my friends, you were meant to live in God and Him in you. It's not, the goal isn't that one day you're finally going to get on top of things, you know. When can I get on top of things? And Because I don't know about you, but don't you hate that feeling of anxiety? I hate it. Where you break out in a sweat and in a panic and, and you're just, it's just, you're wrapped. And we will do almost anything to shut that feeling down. So if that's by being over-responsible, if that's by being a perfectionist, if that's, you know, by caving in and procrastinating forever, whatever it is, can we just all agree that no matter, uh, we may think some of our coping mechanisms are better than other people's and they're more socially acceptable, but can I suggest to you that under the tent of God's presence, we have to look at everything from His point of view. And from God's point of view, anything that we use um, other than our oneness and dependency upon Him, leaning into Him, is something that's vying for your affections, vying for the attachment that He wants with you. And so this is where He begins you know, to really draw us more and more to himself. You don't have to be left in the care of, of what you can do or in the care of others. And I'm talking about at your core, core need. Of course, God has made us to all be interdependent, not self-dependent or codependent, but interdependent. I mean, there are many one another scriptures, aren't there? Love one another, bear one another's burdens, uh, provoke one another, you know, to good deeds. There are many, many one another scriptures, but never does it say that another person should be God to you or that you are meant to be God to anybody else. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. So God has to really detox us off of a lot of those dependencies as he brings us into greater dependency with him. So, you know, I want to strongly encourage you on here today that, uh, you know, maybe you're identifying your panic room. Mine was my mind and it got highly developed 
under the tension of living in the abuse and in the, the, the anger and rage that was in my home growing up. But listen to me, because this is the thread that I want to make sure in my book that, that gets communicated. I don't want to spend my life blaming everything about me on someone else. Listen, they're responsible for what they did. I honor my parents. Um, I, I love my parents um, out of what God has done in me. And uh, what I'm trying to get at, because the only thing that eventually will set you free is not finding who to blame. But it's when you begin to deal with your own independence from God. Because we can blame all of our tendencies, our coping mechanisms, our defense patterns, everything. We can blame everything on the environment that we grew up in. But ultimately, we all decided that we would take care of ourselves, that we would meet our own needs, or that we would find other people to do it. And we've got to see that as our core, core issue is no matter what has happened to me or hasn't happened to me, is that if I'm living independent from God, I've missed the mark. I didn't misbehave. I missed the mark, which is Him. And so this abiding, you see, is the way that we were meant to live, this presence room. That's the secret place. If I haven't said that yet, let me make sure I say this, that the presence room is the secret place that's spoken of in the Scripture. It's where it says in Matthew 6, is come into the, to the secret place where your Father waits for you. You don't have to convince God to be there. You don't have to convince God. You don't have to get God's attention. You've had God's attention since before the foundations of the world. He can't take his eyes off of you. He thinks about you more times in one day than there are sands on the seashore. He is waiting for you and I to come in deeper and deeper with him. And listen to me, it's the secret place. It's the presence room. It's the place of abiding where we learn experientially a lot of these things that we say in church and teach in church and throw around in our prayers and we Facebook them and we do all kinds of things. But if this isn't becoming more and more our living reality, then uh, we are missing him. And, uh, but the key is, is that nobody else can go in there with you. No spouse, no children, no pastor, no leader, no mentor. It is the secret place, and it's only for you and him together. And this is where we learn of him, and we grow in the knowledge of him, the experiential knowledge of him. This is where you will begin to know his voice this is where he will speak things to you that you can not get any other way. You know, Jesus said to his disciples at one point in the Gospels, he said, you know, there are things I'd like to talk to you about, but you're not ready. So I would suggest to you, there are conversations God would love to have with you, but maybe you haven't been ready, but maybe now you are. Maybe now you're getting to the point that your panic room is beginning to be more like a prison and, uh, you know, because I, I have a saying that I say often that says, you know, what helped me survive in childhood is about to kill me now. See, it might have helped me survive then. And, and for any of you out there that have had ever have drinking issues or been an alcoholic, you know, I can remember I only went to a couple of AA meetings, but I got sober, you know, through the church and, and uh, through the people that walked with me and my own decisions and 
God dealing with me so deeply. But I remember in one of the few, very few AA meetings that I went to about 33 years ago, I remember them saying, I just want to thank God for the alcohol that kept me alive until it almost killed me. <laughs> and I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. And uh, because that which helped us survive and keep kept us alive and, you know, but there comes a point where now it's about to kill us because we're in this panic room. We're in this coping place and we are suffocating and it's it doesn't serve us any longer because the, the new man was not made to live in a panic room. The new man lives in the presence room. And that presence room is spirit to spirit, and it's a mobile sanctuary. It, it's portable, my friends. It goes with you wherever you go because it's inside of you. Of all the places God could choose to live, he's chosen to live inside of you. And so he's with you 24-7, 365. And he means for there to be an increase. And this is what begins to happen when we choose to give up our right to ourself, to him more and more. And we decide, I'm, I'm tired of trying to cope. I'm over here about to die. I'm over here, you know, and, and we begin to say, God, whatever your plan is, work it with my cooperation. Because it's there in the presence room that God begins to develop your capacity for life. It's there that he begins to spread out and stretch and, and cause you to live in a greater depth of capacity for real living. And that comes first and foremost from a greater capacity for his presence. For him, he's, he's increasing your knowledge of him and your ability to walk with him and to know him. And among other things, I'm not saying this is an all-inclusive list, but I would say to you that also it's there and there only that he begins to truly increase your capacity for weight, not just the weight of his presence, which is definitely the number one, but it's also the weight of the true responsibility that's going to be for you and for me as we live as the sons of God, as we live as those who carry the responsibility to live as Christ, uh, to, you know, the words that we use all the time from Scripture. We are His ambassadors. We are, you know, an extension of Him. We're an expression of Him. Yes. And so, you know, are we able to bear much weight, though? You see, there are many of us, and I, I just want to try to quickly share this, but there are many of us, and I've, I've described some elements of this, that we have felt responsible since we were young children, responsible to meet the needs of the adults in our lives, responsible to keep a secret, responsible to, you know, to take care of everything and always having to check everybody else's temperature in the room just so you could survive the room, just so you could survive the day. And so, you know, we become those who nominate ourselves, right? And we look around, nobody else seems to know what to do, so we nominate us, and we'll have to be the one that's the smartest and the sharpest and the most aware, and our survival skills are honed and so hyper-vigilant, you know, that, that we're, we're cooking all the time. I mean, we are checking everything out, 
and uh, and maybe we've grown up and we become leaders and uh, people turn to us when things get chaotic because, you know, you can always count on Nancy. You can always count on so-and-so. Maybe you put your name there in the blank, you know, and we loved that. We loved that hero status. But how many of you know God doesn't need us to be the hero? All right. Okay. Because that that perversion of responsibility, and I'm using this word on purpose, such a perversion of things, the or the counterfeit constantly tainting the original all right so if you've been over responsible all your life or at least you felt that way okay and uh, like for me I felt very very responsible and yet I acted very irresponsible by being a drunk for 10 years and yet why did I drink so as that I could escape that inward claustrophobic relational and responsible a pressure that I felt constantly inside. I needed a relief. I needed a way to kind of let a little pressure off the pressure cooker. And so maybe you relate to, you know, some of that. But what happens is, is that then as we grow up and we become educated and we, you know, we've set all those things aside and we don't think about those things anymore and they don't bother us and I don't care and I just go on my way and I'm going to be better than my parents were. And, you know, and you can just feel that ticking off, you know, all those things, you know, that we've done to cope. But you see, God knows deep down. See, you're not an inner child. Please don't hear me saying that somehow there's still an inner child in there and you need to cater to that inner child. Because I don't know if you've noticed if you cater to children, they turn into tyrants. Okay. What I'm telling you is that if you're born again, you're the inner man. And the Bible says that uh, when we were children, we thought like children, we behaved like children. But now that we're men, it's time to put away childish things. There comes a time when we have to realize there's a perversion of being overly responsible that many of us have, have gained many kudos in life, much, you know, accolades. Uh, we have, it has worked for us and worked for us, except that it does not work for us in the presence room. It doesn't work for us when we don't have time to get in there with him because we handle everything. And you see, this is the one place where God and God alone leads. This is the major place where he leads. He leads us beside the still waters. He leads us to himself. He leads us to a greater knowledge, personal, very deep, relevant knowledge of him. And so it's this weight of being overly responsible has to be yielded because you're not responsible uh, for everybody. You don't have to make sure that uh, everybody, um, you know, has what they need. Um, And I'm talking now as, as adults. I don't mean like you don't have to take care of your children when they're children. Okay. But we tend to have this sense of over-responsibility. And because it's worked for us and it's been a gain to us, it's very hard to let those things go. When something's no longer working for you, you're much more likely to give it up and to yield it. Uh, But if it's still working for you, it's uh, very difficult because that's the only time that you feel that you have any uh, steadiness or stability or security is when you depend on you. Can't depend on anybody else. Got to depend on you. 
And But what begins to happen, strangely enough, is we begin to resent that we have to always be the one to fix everything. Why can't people think for themselves, you know? And maybe that, that inner martyr voice is starting to make an appearance in your life. Maybe right now, while you're listening to this, you're beginning to identify, you know, uh, that maybe you're starting to resent having to be responsible all the time. And, and maybe you're a leader, maybe you're a pastor, maybe... Uh, you're a person in positions of of leadership in an organization, and and you find yourself beginning to chafe. You beginning to have, you know, very strong reactions inwardly, and maybe you're looking for ways of escape. Maybe you've even begun to privately self indulge, and you're back into addictions. You're back into things because you think, you know what? I deserve a break. I deserve a little bit of respite. I deserve to have some downtime. You know. It's my time now, all right? I want to say to you, you bet it is your time. It's your time to get in the presence room where the responsible one will begin to tend to you and love you. And you can say to him whatever it is that you need to say. Um, But if you're not careful, the perversion of getting free is that you'll start to self-indulge and Allow yourself things that you haven't for years and years and years because you couldn't because somebody's got to stay vigilant. Somebody's got to stay on top of things. I've been the caretaker of my family and I'm going to have to continue. And, and so it affects different people differently. But listen, God has called us to a true responsibility. Can he put weight on us? out of our oneness with him. You see, all these things are so connected. And uh, this capacity, you see, when we go into the presence room, it's where we transfer all of our panic and anxiety. It's where we transfer and we say, I don't want to carry all of this responsibility any longer. I don't want to have to take care of myself all the time. I don't want this feeling of anxiety and of panic and of worry to overtake me and where I constantly are managing everybody around me. And, uh, and that's the place to begin to yield that to him. And this is a part of redefining discipleship because this is how Jesus lived. And a disciple is someone who follows Jesus so that they can learn directly from Jesus how he lived and to um, also to allow Holy Spirit to lead you into it experientially. This is real, true discipleship. It's not just, I know all the books of the Bible. Well, my friends, I've got a table of contents for that, okay? Now, I'm, I'm glad that I know where the majority of the books of the Bible are, all right? But I'm just going to tell you, when hell comes calling, I, I don't know if I can remember where everything is. What I need to know is I need to know the Word, which is Jesus Himself. I need to be intimately and progressively acquainted with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in such a way that the confidence in them has begun to abide in me. What is in them flows to me. I'm not trying to imitate them. I'm not trying to figure it out so that I can get the approval of God. I have His very presence within me. And so this capacity that he wants to increase this depth and breadth and height and width that he wants 
of, of you and him together in an abiding oneness that you have a greater capacity for his presence is going to also, because my friends, trust me, there's still pressure coming. You see, most all of this stuff shows up the most when we're under pressure and pressure is either going to send you spinning into the panic room or you begin to make a new decision in the heat of the moment and you go into the presence room. There is, we don't escape pressure, but it is who is going to carry the pressure of my life now. And when we can begin to know him at a deeper abiding level, then he can place the weight of real true responsibility on us because then we're going to know how to roll it over onto him as you walk in oneness with him. You see, this is where we've got to decide, I don't want to be the hero anymore. I don't want to live in my panic room while I look like everything's okay. I really want to be okay. And the only place to be truly okay is in his presence. And so we want to be those who um, let him, let him work in us. Let him do it for us. Let him do it his way. Because this is the only thing that's going to bring us through is the actual experiential living in deep oneness with him. And that, my friends, is what Tent Talk is all about. It is about getting down into the real conversations with him in his presence, under the big tent of his presence. It's spoken of in Isaiah 4 and I believe uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about my grace is sufficient for you if you read it. Uh, if I'm misquoting it, please forgive me. Uh, but to see that uh, it talks about um, where his grace is sufficient for me, talks about uh, the pitching of the tent of his presence over us because he dwells in us. And uh, it talks about it in Psalm 27 and just all throughout the scripture. He talks about his loving care for us. And uh, we want to be those that live in it because that's when his love comes to us unearned, undeserved. And it's love that matures us. It's love that energizes and activates our faith in him. And this deep presence and deep love and, and deep knowing and, and, and all of that. I just can't describe it well enough. But I pray that something that I've said today meets you right where you're at. And that you know God is working on your behalf to draw you to himself. You don't have to keep performing. You don't have to keep living in a panic room you, while, while trying to maintain your image you don't have to be the over-responsible, I'll take care of it. If there's chaos, give it to me. You don't have to keep living as that person. Let God walk you right into the presence room where you can know him. All right? So I'm glad that we were together again today. And I hope that as you ponder these things and think about them, I hope that you will hear his voice saying, Come and let me tend to you. Come and let me take care of you. Because let me assure you, my friends, when he tends to us, I don't know if you've noticed what, what uh, Jesus, uh, how he came through, because his father had been tending to him all of that time, deeply and inwardly. And uh, we want to be those who live as Christ. That this has a very real way of, of being 
made the very reality of our lives inwardly. It's not about what it looks like to everybody else. It's about what's going on between you and him right here under the big tent of his presence. All right. Thanks again for being with me today. Think on these things, and I know that he will make himself real to you right where you are. So if you want to connect with me, please go to nancymccrady.com. That's my website. You can email me directly. I answer my own email at nancy at nancymccrady.com. I'm passing on what I sustain my own life with, my friends. And uh, so this is our way of life. So I love you. Glad you were with me today. Until next time. Bye. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.